Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey, Channel Pros, welcome. Welcome to episode 34 of the Channel Journeys podcast. This is your host, Rob Spee, and founder of Channel Journeys, where I'm on a mission to share my passion for the channel and my quest for continuous learning through this podcast. It is summertime, at least for half the world, and many of you are still on or about to go on vacation. My guest today took a short break from his vacation to talk with me about managed service providers, MSPs. Rob Ray is the VP of Business Development at Datto, and they have gone all in on the channel, almost from day one, selling 100% through MSPs to reach the SMB, small and mid-sized business market. Rob knows the MSP channel, I think, better than anyone that I know, and he shares a ton of insight on how to find, engage, and inspire MSPs to sell your software as a service as part of a MSP's managed service offering. Kick right back with your summer drink as I jump right into the deep end of the pool with Rob Ray. Here we go. Hey, Rob, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Thank you. Very happy to be here and appreciate you having me on. Yeah, great to have you on here on your vacation. Thanks for joining me on your time off. Really appreciate it. Of course. No, it's an awesome opportunity to do this and just relax and be able to talk about this stuff or take some time to talk about this stuff. Yeah, well, we're here to have fun. So we're going to make it a fun vacation for you. (laughs) Other things that would be more fun on vacation, but this will do. This is good. (laughs) Really? More fun than a Channel Journeys podcast? Come on. (laughs) Hard to believe. Hey, really enjoyed meeting you out at Channel Focus where you were talking about MSPs and engaging with MSPs and I know MSPs have been the story at Datto from almost day one and key to the success at Datto. And I'd love for you to start by sharing that story you told with our listeners about your founder and and why he decided the channel was the right fit for Datto. Yeah, absolutely. Our founder, his name is Austin McCord, born and raised in Connecticut, which is why our head office and where, where I'm located is out on the East Coast, not quite the hotbed for technology that we're used to. But we started the business, he started the business a little over 10 years ago now, basically right out of college. He's an engineer, really, really uber smart engineer, wanted to, couldn't basically couldn't find a a job and decided he wanted to (laughs) start his own business. So he started tinkering around with technology as a lot of engineers do. They usually tend to tinker around with stuff. And our core product and original product was a backup solution and well, still is. And he found ways of offering enterprise class features into a small business class product. So he decides now that he's built this awesome product and it's cloud-based and virtualizes locally and in the cloud and all these wonderful things, but now he needs to sell it. So he starts by thinking, okay, if I can get a publication to write about this, and put, a, put an ad, not an ad, but somebody to do a review of it in a magazine, then floodgates will open up and everybody will call. So he pestered a lot of computer magazines. Finally, one responded and said, we'll write an article as long as you leave us alone and and stop pestering us. So that happened. They did. And nothing. He got one phone call. And that phone call happened to be from a guy who's still a, a very good partner of ours, 
who called himself a managed service provider. So asked us what our channel program looked like, at which point Austin mentioned, like, I'll call you back. Quickly Googled, you know, what is the channel? What is a managed service provider? And discovered this whole network of people that sell into the SMB space and decided this is the route that I'm going to go. And from that moment, made the decision to be a channel only. That way we can focus all of our energies, efforts, pricing, all that stuff towards helping the MSP sell our product rather than us selling our product. So kind of by mistake, but in the end has been one of the one of the major reasons why we've been wildly successful. Did he even have any customers at that point? Some end users, like local Connecticut-based companies, probably like friends mm-hmm. of the family or something along those lines, but nothing significant, nothing that that we still work with today. And how about sales team? Any salesperson on board? Yeah, we we probably had a few, two or three at that particular point. We're now okay. at the, you know, close to a thousand, but at that particular point, probably two or three. But you know what it's like when you start a business and you don't have a ton of money? It's usually like friends or family that you're hiring at this particular point and, and maybe some guy that's fresh out of college that isn't qualified to do anything or maybe somebody that dropped out who isn't qualified to do anything. And that's usually how they end up in sales. That's how I ended up in sales. So, you know, that's usually you'd go and find somebody that just needs a job, but nobody that's with us anymore. Well, I'm really curious. I ask because I get into conversations around when is the right time to bring on a channel? And there are different schools of thought. And some people think you've got to reach a certain level of revenue before you're ready or a certain stage of funding. My belief is much, much earlier when you have product market fit and a a repeatable sales process. But it sounds like you guys started even earlier in the channel. Like you said, it was kind of by accident, but it really worked out well for you. It did. And I, you know, I kind of take a different, uh, maybe a little bit of a different approach to it where when we focus on our products, focus on the SMB market, small, medium business. And Mm -hmm. what that means is, and and if you take a look at the SMB market, and again, it's almost around the same time that Datto came into existence, was this whole idea that the channel was shifting away from the traditional reseller mold, which is I'm going to sell something, I'm going to make my margin, and I'm going to get out and then let the, the vendor own it. Right. Whereas the managed service provider stays engaged, provides support, then in essence, the SMB end user outsources everything to the MSP. So in our mind, at that particular same point in that journey, especially here in the US market, where we were making this transition and selling to MSPs and letting them white label our product, letting them price our product any which way they wanted, where our customer was the MSP, not the ultimate end user. So what you're talking about is, and I heard this conversation a lot as well while we were down there at that channel for uh, Cloud Focus, Channel Focus, mm-hmm. was, hey, I've built a product. I've been selling it direct to end users. I have resellers who sell this product, sell it, here's your margin, get out. But I cannot get into the SMB market because a managed services program is slightly different than what you find in a traditional reseller program or partner program that you've got running. Yeah. What do you think the key differences are? Obviously, it's a different model, but maybe for folks that aren't as familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. So a managed service provider, as opposed to a traditional reseller. Now, first of all, all these guys, most of these guys were traditional resellers at one point in time. They've transformed their businesses. So Mm -hmm. it's not like this is a new birth, some new creature that's come out into the market. These are guys that had had to change their business model. So they changed their business model away from one-time break-fix sales into full-blown recurring revenue contract-based services. I myself, like I worked for Compact Computers way back in the day up in Canada, which eventually became HP. We would, we all our job was, was to, to help find the, at that particular point, the reseller some margin 
And then once the deal was closed, you contact HP support or Dell support or, you know, whatever, whatever vendor is by choice. Well, that's not the issue. That's not the problem. That's not what the MSP solves. The MSP is the one that people call. So now the MSP is the one that is selling the product, probably white labeling it, meaning rebranding it, OEMing it, and also at the same time wants to maintain control of the actual end user for the entire relationship. And I will tell you at Datto, I do not know who my end users are. I know who my solution providers, my MSPs are, but I do not have a single end user in my database. So if, if ABC MSP out of wherever United States calls me, they are our customer and they're telling me I'm going to go and sell this to an end user. I don't care who the end user is. I don't deal reg. I don't follow up. I don't maintain or don't keep that information, which again, also builds that trust between the channel and the vendor that I'm not going to take this business direct because that as a vendor is one of the worst things that you can do. And this is where trying to find, first of all, if I wanted to the MSP, if I wanted to the SMB market, I got to use an MSP because everybody's outsourcing these days. I have to be able to let them white label my stuff. I have to be able to give them lots of margin on my stuff. And I have to be comfortable that I may never know who my end user is. And that's a big one, Rob. I've worked for so many vendors that scares the crap out of them that they don't know who the customer is. And mainly because they've, they're used to selling direct. They're used to right. controlling that customer. They know who the customer is. Man, the model you're, that you're describing just, they sends chills up their spine. Of course it does, especially, and this is where it's like, when do you start doing this? And I've had this conversation, especially at, at that Cloud Focus show. There was a lot of vendors that do not have the ability to to turn and change and all of a sudden say, I don't, I don't need this information or want this information. So yeah. that is, that's part of, part of that problem is letting go of that. So first of all, I would suggest that if, if you're thinking about getting into the channel as early as possible, that way you haven't built up any legacy, I need this info or this is the way we do business, or make it two distinct business models. My SMB strategy, which is this for channel, and then my enterprise strategy, which is continuing doing what you're doing. But you have yeah. to be able to change your channel strategy for that SMB market versus the enterprise market. I think it's the only way that you can be successful. I agree. You know, it, to me, it's like skiing and snowboarding. I grew up skiing and I tried once or twice, but I was just so hooked on skiing. I couldn't get over the, the mental block of trying to learn something new and learn yeah. snowboarding. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And I think it's the same thing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, But it's two different things. It's almost like learning two different sports. Yeah, it is. Two different channels. So you don't know who your end customers are, and the end customers don't come to Datto for support. They Do they always go to the MSP? They always go to the MSP. Now, we do have services where the MSP, because there are... There are some end users that insist on having that direct relationship with a vendor. Like if they have an in-house IT team, we call it co-managed IT. If there's if the MSP is involved or the MSP doesn't offer 24-7 or weekend type services, whereas we do to the channel, they do have the ability to say, this is an end user. They are going to call in for support. They're calling in about this device and it's okay, but we get permission from the MSP to let that call happen, but it's very rare. And and it's mostly yeah. in situations where they're going to lose the business or they just can't service the, the, the ultimate end users needs that way. So we do have some end users from a sales perspective. We do have end users that call us all the time looking for, looking for our product because 
you know, as Dados continue to grow, like you can easily Google it and you can find it. And mm -hmm. it is one of the top, top brands that's going to come up for SMB backup or SMB networking. Those are those deals we immediately refer to. Here's a list of MSPs in your area who are Dado partners, similar to what, what you traditionally would do in a reseller program where you have your local dealers and we just refer business to them. But no, like we've walked away from business before when they've insisted on doing it directly with us. Well, I was at your website this morning and, and it, it's very clear because you say that it's backup and disaster recovery for MSPs. Yep. Very clear. For the SMB market. So it's not a surprise, I would think, to anyone who looks you up on the website that you sell through MSPs. It's actually a complaint I get, <laughs> believe it or not. It's a complaint I get both from end users who can't figure out what we do. Because if you do look at our website, it is focused exclusively around getting MSP adoption of the product. Mm -hmm. And I get some complaints from MSPs going, look, if my end user wants to research you, all they're finding is channel only, channel only, channel only. And it's kind of this double-edged sword where you know, we <laughs> want to be channel only and, and embrace and, and encourage the channel, but we don't necessarily get that, that level of, of love and attention that people like and want. So. Man, that's funny because that is not the complaint most, most partners are, are saying about a vendor. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's usually the opposite of that, yeah. Well, tell me about the makeup of the MSP because we talk about MSPs as if they're they're just this one homogenous group, but but they can't be. They're they've got to be a, all shapes and sizes. Oh, absolutely, there is. So we so our product set we basically range from the from the one man shop, and when I say one man shop, I'm talking about end user one man shop. So we have solutions that an MSP can sell to a cloud only sh and an end user. Um, mm -hmm. We have we have even hardware solutions that allow them to to sell some type of data protection or, or data continuity solution to to one-man shops. As far as our partner base, we do range from the local computer guy who's who's looking to back up, say, an Office 365 account or sell some type of networking gear like an access point or a switch or a router because we have all those things, all the way up to $10, $15, $20 million shops. There's a list that comes out. The MSP501 are the top managed service providers in the world. We take a look at the, even this the top five of that list. I think four out of the five are data partners. So it's not just, and this is where I think the interest from the larger vendors is coming in. And I heard mm -hmm. that repeatedly because they are seeing that the whole SMB outsource thing is a real thing. They're also starting to discover, and it's it's something that we're starting to explore a lot, is that even in the mid-market to large space, there's a lot of end users that are not getting the level of support that they need these days. You know, the, we constantly look at technology and the, and the threat landscape is changing. The cloud has, has caused a lot of that. The internet of things has caused a lot of that. And security has become a pretty significant issue. And if you think about an in-house IT team, they're not necessarily prepared or as prepared as what we're finding in the managed services community because an MSP or even a, a channel player must understand this stuff to a better degree in order to be able to sell their services overall. Anyway, so now we're starting to find that even mid-market and large, like when you look at the news these days and you're finding outages at, at major airports and, and airlines and banks and hospitals, all the things that would maybe typically in-house IT their stuff, now they're starting to talk about outsourcing, at least from a security perspective, to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, or at least staying on top of the threat landscape as it continues to evolve and change. And now all of a sudden, managed service providers are starting to find opportunities there. So we're seeing very small, from a number of employees perspective, MSPs that are servicing very large accounts. We're seeing very large MSPs with hundreds of employees that are servicing thousands of small, medium businesses. So it pretty much comes in every flavor. 
But the one consistent thing that these guys have is they want recurring revenue. They want contracts for their business. They want to own and can maintain ownership of the end user. Those are the consistent yeah. things. And from a vendor perspective, the more that we can do to make sure that they make money and that we are loyal to them and that we continue to support them on everything that they're doing and make them look like the heroes at the end of the day, that's how we've been able to, to build a very successful channel program. So there are tens of thousands of MSPs of different shapes and sizes out there. How do you go about finding the right ones? That's interesting. So uh, one of the things that we do, well, a couple of things that we do in order to maintain that channel only MSP only strategy is you will not find my price list. Okay. You cannot Google Dado's price. If you find it, it is somebody that has posted it because it's right on there that, that like you are not allowed to disclose it. So mm-hmm. an end user will never see our price list. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's not the way, that's not what they're doing. What the, what an end user is doing is they are paying for the MSP to come in there, set it up, maintain it, monitor it, manage it, and continue to make sure that it works properly. All I'm doing is providing the wrench, you know, the tool that the MSP needs in order to perform those services. So why would an end user want to see my price and then go and try to compare it to something that does sell direct to end users and say, this is a like for like solution. That's not the case. So what we, what we're doing is we really hide this stuff. So that what we do is we actually, if you want access to our price list, which is in our partner portal, we need to qualify you as an MSP. We do that through a number of different ways. We're going to check to make sure you have a website that reads as if you're an MSP, meaning you are selling IT services to other firms. We have and we'll ask like how many end users are you working with? What what verticals do you play in? So we actually do ask those level of questions of of mm-hmm. not who are your end users, but what do your end users look like? And you can quickly tell the difference between an MSP and an end user because the language that we use, the terminologies that we use, even the acronym MSP is not something that's well known outside the MSP circles. So you can yeah. quickly tell whether it's an end user or an MSP. And at that particular point, we will provision it, give them access to our portal, at which point then they will have access to all the assets that they need in order to go and sell our stuff, which includes our price list. Are you doing at this stage, you're, you're pretty far along and have thousands of MSPs, but along the way, we're 16,000 we're working with currently. Yeah. 16,000. Yikes. <laughs> were you and do you still do kind of outbound marketing to attract these MSPs and, and you know, get their attention? To, to try to find these guys because new ones are popping up every day, right? Absolutely. It is strange because you start hitting this, this point where you're thinking, God, is there any more out there? You know, because, because <laughs> you can't, there is no sick code or, or done uh, DMB number where you can just do search and say, here's how many MSPs there are in the world. Plus no. it's a, it's a business model thing, right? If you actually do a search of IT providers, you're going to come up with, with Geek Squad from Best Buy. You're going to come up with with the old radio shacks, you know, because everybody yeah. wanted a piece of that stuff, therefore fell into the IT realm. In order to be kind of an MSP, it, it is it is a unique thing. And, and again, not something that you can quickly search on. But I'll share with you, you know, I, I do. So we do a lot of trade shows. This is where we get the majority of our leads is through trade shows. And, and we do okay. a ton of road shows. And we do have a team that is outbound prospecting based on on people that have visited our website, gone to an actual webinar, you know, whatever. So we're constantly looking for these MSPs. And yes, every time we turn a rock over, we're finding them. Every time I go to a trade show, I'm finding a new MSP that is just getting out of the woodwork and and trying to find more information on whatever. So 
yes, they're still out there. It's still growing. And I remember, I think there's a big feeder for this, which is the traditional reseller market. There's also, and we're starting to see a ton of convergence on places like print dealers who have tons of customers, but manage printer or print is, is slowly dying. So they're trying to figure out the next wave of business model and getting into IT. So they're going out and acquiring either small MSP shop to get a tech or jumping right feet first into the managed services space. So now you've got your dealer network that you can play with. The telco guys as well, the telco agents that are out there as well are starting to get into this space because as we see convergence with things like VoIP and SaaS, like there's a lot of crossover between what these traditional industries have been doing and what the new wave of IT is going to look like. So, you know, there's no shortage of even new MSPs being birthed into this on a, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I was going to ask you about those alternative channels. And you mentioned print dealers, telco agents. How about, you know, there's talk of CPA accounting firms and legal mm-hmm. firms, you know, oh, becoming yes. IT vendors. Are they starting to want to offer your services as well? Yes, absolutely. Now, we do usually have to qualify them because we got to make sure that these are services that they are performing for somebody else, not just for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the second thing is they have to have a certain level of tech because this isn't like you cannot just go and sell this stuff and not have support for it. So you have to have a certain level of tech or somebody that you can certify on a certain level that can use these things. But you are absolutely right. And accounting firms, we're, we're starting to see insurance agencies. We're starting to see a whole ton. Basically, anybody that has, like the beautiful part about IT and what I love about being in the IT space, A, our business is constantly evolving, right? As far as the technology and everything that we do. But B, it's not never going to go away. Technology is always going to move forward and people are always going to want tech to make their lives easier and better. So when you look at large organizations or even verticals that have got big customer lists, great sales uh, sales acumen and money to do this why not because why not start getting into tech because if you get the right engineers in place you know you could pretty much do anything for your end users even if it's just something as simple as selling a cloud-based SaaS application to start and then start building it off of that but yes we're seeing a ton of things like that now a lot of it these days is starting to come through partnerships meaning you look even even what uh, staples business depot was doing That was a partnership, like they're offering managed services kind of idea, but it was partnerships through MSPs that they had either acquired or are working with. So a lot of these things do come through mergers, acquisitions, and and partnerships, as opposed to you recreating the wheel or trying to find the right engineer out of the gate. But they're definitely out there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's a really interesting time where everything's coming a software or something as a service and and just opens the the floodgates for different types of of new partner types. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you're out there, you're finding all these new partners. Once you find them, how do you get them convinced to sign up with Datto, number one? And number two, how do you keep them engaged and in, in selling? So there's a couple things. There's a couple ways that you can do it. As far as getting them interested, we offer money back guarantees on everything that we do. We have, you got to think about how an MSP ticks, okay? MSP ticks, meaning I'm not going to sell it until I try it. I want to use these things in-house within my own shop. So that's like eat your own dog food kind of kind of mentality. Yeah, I need time to play with it and figure out whether it's going to fit into my stack. And generally, there's more than one decision maker in the process. So a lot of times, and first of all, everybody within these MSP firms tends to be technical at some point. But even the business owner tends to be or was a tech at some point in time. So it has to make sense financially. The partner program is a big piece of that. 
And I'm not talking about the traditional sense of partner programs. I'm talking about, is this a channel only company? Do they leave enough margin that I can go and sell this? What does their post sales support look like? What does their training look like? What am I going to get as an MSP as part of this? You know, I used to come from the compact HP world where red carpet points were a big deal. Like that's not a thing anymore. Even distribution, and and that's a whole different topic that I know we've been talking about at Channel Focus, but we don't use distributors at data. We never have. That We have not lost a sale because you cannot buy a product through a distributor. Wait a second. You mentioned red carpet points. What were those? That was like the old school. If you bought a certain amount of laptops, you'd get a certain amount of points in your HP account or your Compaq account. Uh. That would either qualify you for free product or discounts or incentives of some way. That's not how the channel works these days. I mean, sure, do they love free stuff? Of course, they love free stuff. But that's not the ultimate motivator for them making this transition. It's how much recurring revenue are you going to make me and how are you going to do it? Now, as far as retention of these guys, so so during the sales process, you got to be able to demonstrate for them and show them that you are focused on their success, not necessarily focused on on building more end user base. The retention part of it is, again, making sure you're providing great support. And I'm very, very proud of our support team. So we are ongoing providing phenomenal direct-to-tech phone support 24-7, 365 days a year. So we can cover our worldwide strategy. Uh, Making sure that you're constantly innovating your product is super important. And You cannot, one of the critical mistakes that vendors make is you can't raise your prices. And I know that's hard. It's hard to hear and it's hard to fathom, but you cannot raise your prices because what I do is I sell my product to you, the MSP and the MSP, I'm going to sell it to you. You know, you can go month to month with me, or you can sign a one-year contract, two-year contract, three-year contract, and there's better incentive for the longer term. I want you to go and sell it to your end user for the same one year. If you buy it from me for one year, go sell it to your end user for one year, that kind of idea. The thing is, though, if I have a price increase, I'm now impacting your margins with your end user unless you go and push a price increase on your end user, which is not cool, a cool thing to do mid-contract. So what we do is we have never raised our prices, never. What we've done is we've innovated new products that have had higher price on those new products. That's how you can go about it with, with the managed services space. But so keeping those very simple things in mind. So taking care of the channel not increasing your prices. If you're going to do a recurring revenue contracts with them, try to get them to match up with what the end user is actually doing. What I also found was, and and I think it's kind of a a human mentality thing. Um, We got into the networking space recently, the access point switches firewalls. So offering up because all of our MSPs are selling Wi-Fi. They're just selling mixed mash of, of little things. And nobody from a networking perspective was doing really well in the vendor uh, from a vendor perspective was doing really well in the MSP SMB space. So we found kind of a little bit of a niche there, went and acquired a, a little company out of Oregon called OpenMesh, and then basically created Datto Networking, which is you get the mm. one-stop shop, 24-7 support. Here's the kicker for it, right? And here's my point on all that. Before Wi-Fi, like if you bought a switch or an access point, it was a one-time revenue thing. You went and bought it, and now it's yours and you and what MSPs would do or what the channel would do is because I bought it from you one time, I'm going to go sell it as one time revenue to my end user. So, Mr. End user, I paid 60 bucks for this access point. I'm going to sell it to you for 85. But now it's yours for life. Whereas what we did was we changed that. You cannot buy our networking gear one time. You actually have to subscribe to it. So what that does is it forces the channel to go to the end user and say, 
you're going to buy this and you're going to consume it on a per month basis. And now the MSP is making more money and good recurring revenue money off of their end users, even for things that they used to sell one time, like Wi-Fi. So it's a pretty yeah. cool kind of little little way. But you know, ultimately, we treat our MSPs the same way they need to treat their end users and the same way you know we want them to be treating us. So. Yeah, and you have to match your sales model to the MSP's model. Correct. So it's attractive to them. Correct. And did you say earlier that you have a thousand, about a thousand sales reps? Yeah, we're we're about sixteen hundred employees worldwide. It's probably a little bit less than a thousand because we're about a fifty fifty split on tax to sales. Okay. But we're at sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred employees worldwide now. Yeah. So even if it's eight hundred sales reps and you've got sixteen thousand partners. So is that roughly, can we say, okay, each sales rep is, is supporting or covering, assisting 16, 18 partners? No, it is more. But so the way we actually do it, I've got hunters, obviously, I've got the hunters that are basically going out there and qualifying that your MSP, then they're turning it over to an onboarding sales, which help you kind of buy your first set of products from us. And then it goes into an account management position. But then the okay. account managers also have so it's kind of the slippery slope, right? You want your account managers on there. They each have a quota. You want them selling stuff. But in the IT space, tech support is a big thing. So what happens is, you know, if there's an escalation issue, if an issue is not getting resolved quickly enough from tech support, who do they call? They call their account manager. And the account manager yeah. wants to help them and is responsible for the relationship. But if they're off the phone trying to solve tech issues, it takes away from their ability to generate revenue. So we also have another layer of what we call partner success. So these are salespeople, non-quota bearing, where they are actually helping the MSP get through issues that they might be having that aren't going to lead to future sales, but are definitely something that's important in making sure that we perform as good as we can, be a good vendor partner, those kinds of things. So basically, you're looking at multiple people working with one account as opposed to one individual working with a dozen accounts. Yeah, gotcha. Different things. And that partner success manager, would that be similar to a traditional channel account manager? I would suggest so. Although I used to manage channel account managers and and for us it was it was more along the lines of what have you got in your funnel? <laughs> you know, what what can I do as opposed to, you know, really genuinely interested in making sure that your business is successful and yeah. less looking at looking at what what have you got for me this month? And more so of what do you need from me in order to be more successful? What marketing materials? What and remember, we white label and OEM all of our stuff because one of the one of the big things that MSPs like to do is put their own brand on things. So you can completely remove the Datto name from everything that you are doing. And under the hood, nobody needs to know that it's Datto unless they particularly ask. So it's it's another stumbling block that a lot of vendors have. So for us, it's making sure, you know, are you lined up? Are you using the right assets? What else can we help you with? We have things like MDF programs, marketing development funds, where we can help you run programs to generate leads for yourself. We have a ton of marketing assets that are white labeled, meaning you put your own brands and logos. So this kind of channel success team, as you refer to it as, as an old school term, in the new school, these are guys that are legitimately interested in helping the MSP grow, not just their yeah. data fleet, but the actual MSP itself. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think the old fashioned cam of what have you done for me lately is is not what partners want to see. No, absolutely not. And and managed services doesn't work that way. Because you can remember an MSP is not a, they're not selling one product at one time. They're generally stacking a whole service offering together. 
So I know, and my sales reps know that data is one piece of probably about 10 pieces that they're selling to an end user. Because remember, this is a whole outsource IT. It's not just let me sell you backup or let me just sell you Wi-Fi. It is any virus, it's any spam, any malware, it's, it's the security solutions. It's their ongoing maintenance of the actual environment. It's reporting, it's monitoring. So there's a whole ton of services as an outsourced package. We're just one piece of it. So when you start focusing too much on your own product, as opposed to helping the MSP sell their service offering, that's where you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So with all this work that you've been doing with MSPs, any, any missteps that you'd want to share, you know, something that you tried and I'm always for trying something new, but anything that you tried that didn't work and that you learned something from? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, I have a very, very good partner advisory board. What I do is I've, I own the partner advisory board. It's, it's right now it's about 35 MSPs from all over the world of various different sizes. What we do is we leverage them significantly. So if we want to make a change, if we want to do something, we want to head in a different direction. We call these guys, we get them together. We have semi-annual meetings in Connecticut, but we have virtual meetings every quarter with these guys. And this is our opportunity to go into, into kind of like a sandbox environment and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this, at which point they tell us we're absolutely crazy, or they tell us, yeah, that's a great idea. You should go do it. So we tend to avoid those mistakes just simply by asking before we actually do. But nobody's perfect. And we did, for example, and this is another thing you need to be absolutely prepared for, but we actually had a price change on a SaaS product that we were selling. Mm -hmm. We thought in the, in the end, it was going to be a very good change for the actual community. Once it came out, there were certain pockets within the community that said, well, you just increased my prices by like 400%. So although some people saw a small percentage decrease, a lot of people saw a big percentage increase. Two days later, we pulled it all the back and, and basically uh. pulled it all back and went back to where we're supposed to be. So, you know, pretty significant mistake on our part. We fixed it. We fixed it really quick. And that. I think the other, the other big, big, big issue, and we're very fortunate, and I'm not tempting fate here, but... Security is a significant issue that MSPs are dealing with. It's a significant issue that vendors need to be dealing with as well. We have seen, and Homeland Security has mentioned it numerous times over the last little while, that the, the bad actors out there are starting to attack MSPs because if they attack an MSP, it's a great way to get to their end users. So very similar, almost like the, the bad guys are using a channel model in order to get to a wider audience. <laughs> yeah, in a sad way. Yeah, exactly. So an MSP can only protect themselves so well. They need to rely on the vendors that they're using and selling to make sure that all our security gaps are, are closed and tight. We have seen some of our competitors expose some of our MSPs quite significantly. So also super important that if you're going to do this, you need to make sure that you're, you are performing enough and, and even demonstrating that you have to show your MSPs that you actually are monitoring your own stuff, watching your own stuff, closing your own gaps and windows and doors and all that stuff to make sure that everybody is safe throughout this whole process. So that can't fall back exclusively on the MSP. It needs to be the vendor responsibility in there. Yeah, that's a great point, Rob. And there's been some interesting articles. CRN had a couple recently about that threat targeting MSPs and the, and the different players from different nation states and what who they're attacking and why. Pretty interesting. 
pretty scary. It's it is. It's scary and there are things that we can all do. It's just I know MSPs that have been nearly driven out of business because of because of these things and not something that's within their control. It's something that's outside of their control because they chose a vendor that decided they weren't going to be super secure on a piece of their technology that allowed bad actors in. And you're right. I mean, these these threats are coming from everywhere and the MSP and the SMB market are no different than the large enterprises that they're trying to attack. Yeah. Well, good warning there for vendors to, to check out the security of whatever you're offering to your, your MSP partners. Absolutely. I got to let you back to your family and your vacation, but I got <laughs> one more question for you. Uh, sure. Kind of, a, I'll make it a vacation question. So any favorite or fun adventures that you've been on? I, I love adventure. I you know do sailing, offshore sailing and cycling mm-hmm. and hiking and stuff. So I always love to hear from my guests if, if you have any particular fun adventures that you've been on. So I'm going to give you a completely lame answer. And the reason why <laughs> is that part of my responsibility with Datto is I travel extensively around the world. And I've been very, very fortunate that that have been part of this business as it's been growing. So you know, predominantly focused on the U.S. market. I'm originally from Canada, if you haven't picked up the accent yet. So <laughs> hey. you know, I'm very, very comfortable. I know, very comfortable with the Canadian U.S. market. And then we've been expanding rapidly throughout Europe. I think we're up to about a dozen or so offices and clouds out in Europe now. Australia has been an absolutely phenomenal market for me. Asia has been a phenomenal market for me. So I've literally been traveling and spending more time offshore than I have here in the U.S. market. So for me, when it comes di- when it comes time to adventure is like vacation is like turning off the adventure and and really doing staycations <laughs> drives my wife absolutely crazy because you know she sits at home waiting for me to get home and all I want to do is stay at home when I get home but one of the things that we do religiously is so we have our big user conference datocon it was in uh, this year it was in San Diego it's at the, usually around the last week of June that we do that. We had 3,000 MSPs out there this year. I'm absolutely exhausted because myself and my team, we pour everything into it. July is a very, very slow month worldwide. It's a very slow month for us as far as trade shows and road shows and stuff. So we all tend to take the month of July off on vacation. For me, the most ideal is sitting on a boat up on my lake. Generally, it's up in Canada this year. It's here in Connecticut. I am very happy just doing nothing. So just chilling on the lake, doing nothing. There's your adventure for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. We don't do enough of nothing. That's for sure. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Got to turn that brain off every once in a while. I have a really hard time just shutting down and not doing anything. Like I, I can't sit on the beach. I've, I've got to get moving and go do something. I can understand that. But it's for me, it's you have to force it. And it generally takes about 24 hours of, of antsiness before you can just stop looking at the phone, stop thinking about the emails. But I, I understand what you're saying. It's funny. I've, I've got a very good friend of mine who works for an extremely large vendor who forces them into sabbatical. They, they literally will turn off their email accounts, their texting, their phones, their, they'll take their notebooks back. It's almost like you have to turn in your gun and your badge and force them to do nothing for like three weeks and it drives him absolutely batty for like the first two or three days because he's one of the most creative outgoing people that I know. But then eventually you settle into it and kind of, you know, you kind of pick up on those things. But I, I get what you're saying. You get what you're saying. I'm just not taking long enough vacations. That's what you're telling me. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Work-life balance, man. It's a big thing. Big deal. Oh, I tell you. I tell you. All right. Well, thanks for reconnecting. I'm going to let you get back to doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, it's been great. Thanks a lot. A lot of great tips. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for the opportunity. 
All right. Cheers. Cheers. All right, guys. That was awesome. I am so thankful to Rob for taking time away from his family on their vacation to join us on Channel Journeys and what great tips he has for engaging the MSP channel. To sum it up, if you really want to succeed with MSPs, you have got to be ready to go all in, be 100% direct, at least in a particular market segment like SMB. That way, your MSP partners know that you're not going to compete with them and offer white labeling and provide superior sales and technical support. Lots of great tips and more in the show notes on channeljuries.com backslash CJ34. I hope you found this podcast super informative. I know I did, and also a bit of fun too. If you did, please leave a positive rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Join me next week for another great episode and keep on having an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.